0: It's gonna be a very busy day and week here at the Mead household. Today is 42 years since I married my sweet angel, Cammie, and it's also my mother's 90th birthday. So we'll be taking off here in a minute to go down and celebrate with her. But I did not want to go before I had a chance to talk to you about who told you about Sunday school. Now, don't get all defensive. This is one of those things that has an interesting past and an interesting present and is a blessing and a curse. Oh, here we go. Early years in our particular religious tribe that I was raised in rather, not, uh, not our safe harbor, but the one in which I was raised in, uh, we didn't even want to call it Sunday school. We called it Bible school because uh, uh, we don't know what those other people are doing, but we're teaching the Bible. Yeah, there's a lot of hubris and arrogance there. And I don't think it was intentional, but it was there anyway. What, where did it come from? It it did not just arrive full blown into the universe. Well, if you go back far enough, you find that it comes out of the Industrial Revolution. Not only uh, were people struggling back then with an agrarian lifestyle, this is all farms, rather isolated, people wanted new products and new machines were being built that would make new products, but that required Factories and factory workers and that meant people were moving to the city and all over to survive All of a sudden people needed to be working 60 hours a week 80 hours a week Was not unheard of but quite extreme 60 hours a week But also their children had to work Schools there was not universal schooling And a lot of where schools were you would have to pay out of your pocket for the teacher. And if you didn't have money for the teacher, well, then your kids didn't go into the school. By the way, that is still true in most of the world today. If you take a look, when I say most, as populations and the number of countries we have, which I think 194, most of them you still, uh, you don't if you don't have the fees and you can't buy the uniform, you can't go to school. So you put your kids to work. In America and all through Europe this was true and so little kids six and seven year olds were working at the looms and these monster machines going and because they had little hands they'd get in there and pick threads out and they'd they'd thread new machines or they'd reach their little arms into the mall of a massive machine to get something that jammed it because that's what they had to do and of course children died of lung disease with all the stuff they were breathing in. They died of massive injury. They died of malnutrition. They died died of epidemics that swept through, uh, people whose health was poor and were little and were working without adequate light and water and rest. And that was the industrialized world. it created all of these wonderful things, but there was a huge cost because nature is not neutral. Even a very good thing has negative things attached to it that we must acknowledge and then deal with and work with as we go through through our life. Children worked so hard and church attendance was very, very low. We often get this idea, uh, especially in America, I think, that everybody went to church all the time. They went to church back in the 1800s. No, they didn't. In fact, church attendance today in America is probably a little bit higher than it was back then. And a lot of the colleges that were started back then to train ministers quickly became sectarian and had very few believers in them at all by the 1830s to 1850s. This is just one of those things you learn. As to why all of that goes beyond the purview for today, social movements began to find a better way for the children. And it was an uphill struggle because back then, as today, politicians and corporations like to go hand in hand, arm in arm and wallet to wallet. So they had to fight to get children released a certain number of hours so they, they could get some schooling. But it was, generally speaking, slapdash, poorly done, kids falling asleep because they had no other option. There was no other time to fall asleep. A couple of hours of um, somebody writing on a board, making them sound out the words, that was about it. Well, more social pressure came, Uh, more churches got involved and they pushed and pushed. And finally, there was some space for children to go to school on the weekends and go to school a little bit at night and work a little bit less hours. This was all rolling. If you want to know how horrible things were back at the time, read, uh, read anything by Upton Sinclair who wrote, um, really, exposés on what it was like to work in a slaughterhouse and what the children were were facing. Or read about New Lanark, L-A-N-A-R-K, New Lanark in Scotland, where the socialist and atheist Robert Owens uh, decided this is, we're going to build a new town that is right, that is at the forefront of the Industrial Revolution, but which gives women and gives children much more rights than they have now. And uh, he succeeded there. You can go there today and walk through his plants and the museum about his life. He tried to bring it to the U.S. and it failed. One of the guys that debated him on atheism was Alexander Campbell, who uh, people in my religious tribe know who that was. And it was a very civil debate, but Robert Owen had no response to the evidences for God and the need for faith. And his movement here sputtered out somewhat. However, the social aspect of the movement, taking care of the children, most people could get behind that after a while. And the children were given some space. But what are you going to do with them? Well, the church wanted them to attend a Sunday school since they were having, this is their only opportunity to go to any school we would like to carve out some time for a Sunday school and we could teach them the rudimentary elements of the faith, and, and so they did. Now, at that time, a lot of churches, not just the one in which I was raised, weren't real sure about Sunday school. And the response was this, if you send your children to have somebody else teach them the Bible, you're gonna stop having church in your home. And everybody laughed and scoffed at that. No, no, parents would never be that negligent in their duty. But a lot of you had never heard of church in their home until I just said it. It was a common thing to have a period of devotion, prayer, and reading in believing households, it must be said, and in those households where there was any time to do it and who could afford a candle or a lantern by which to do it. So there are no broad brushes here. This is, this is a mess. Human beings always been a mess. And this is a river with many streams and few boundaries. Well, they were right. We outsourced our Sunday school and parents then became, outsourced the education to these people, Sunday school to these people, children events to these people. And then all our job to do basically is to make sure they have some sort of food in the house and move them from sport activity to club activity to activity activity. That's our job. And then we wonder why all figures show this, by the way. I've never seen any figures from any religious group or social group or you know, Gallup or any of them, uh, Reuters, that disagrees with this. The majority of our children will leave our faith, the particular denomination in which you were raised, within five years after graduating from university. And in many of these streams, it's 75% or more will leave. And in 10 years after university, it always goes up above the 75% line. Now, some of these trickle back when they start having children. Uh, So let's not act like everything's a one-way street, but it is tragic. And what's the source of the the problem? Well, we don't know what they're being taught at school. Um, And whenever we do hear about it, we can get upset, whether we think it's too far to the right, too far to the left, if it's not adequate civics, if it's not adequate math, whatever it is, every school's different. And some public schools are sterling and some uh, are, are criminal that they're so poor. I'm hoping we can t- continue to try to pull them all up. There's also that issue of we pay scads of money for, to send our kids to universities to have professors teach them that their parents are evil and everything about them is evil and God is evil. I mean, whenever I took Spanish class in the university, even in Spanish class, they would use illustrations to make fun of God and the church, and that's normal. So what did you expect? And then they're gone. What, what can we do about this? Well, I don't think we junk Sunday school and teen programs at all, if they're well-run and if they involve the parents and I think parents, here's where, it's on you. Any church I've ever served, one of the hardest things we had to do was try to get parents to be involved in their children's lives in religion, in the events, in the classes. You know, one-offs, going to camp once a year and going woohoo, singing all the songs and doing the funny dances. Uh, that, we could get them going there, but what about the rest of the time? So what's the response to this? Because I could go on and on, as you know, but this is Monday morning and you've suffered enough. We need to teach our children at home primarily about God, about life. So how do you do that? Well, you limit the number of outside activities they have. Our kids were allowed to have two, and one of them was church most of the time. We counted that because the other one would eat up so much time, like, a particular sport or the like. But we limited it so that they had time with us every day, quality time, talking to them, yeah, but mainly just showing them what being a Christian looks like. When we did good works, we brought our kids. Our kids uh, very often would write the checks uh, to our for our bills. We'd sign them, obviously, but they'd write them and then do the math in the checkbook and they saw that we're not we we don't have much, and what we have goes out to church and to bills to keep us moving forward the best we can. And so they saw all that. And I didn't have kids all the time saying, "Mom, I want this," and "Dad, I want this." They understood how money worked because we showed them. We call this Deuteronomy six parenting. You might want to read that passage in there. Parents teach your children as they rise up, as they lie down, as they go out, as they walk upon the street. Show them Jesus by the way you teach them. And you're gonna to have to do that in a venue other than driving your kid plus a bunch of other kids to another event. You're gonna to have to say no to some things. And then you're gonna to have to get involved if your church has a quality children's program and teen program. You're gonna to have to get wrapped around it. Or you, you deal with what you get. So who told us about Sunday school when they said that if you start doing a Sunday school, parents will quit? They were right. They were absolutely right, but not for all parents. Some of you out there are, and not just some. How do I phrase this? It is by no means the majority, and it's not even a huge minority, but there has always been a group of people who are amazing with their kids every day. And I, I acknowledge it is exhausting. Absolutely exhausting, but the end product. My wife and I were talking last night. We, we were prime candidates for failure at our marriage. She was 18, I was 22. Emotionally, I was probably 13, and I was still all messed up with legalism and not knowing who I was. And yet 42 years later we were talking, we looked back and we said this world needed these babies and our grands. They're making the world a better place. It's amazing God can take broken people who just talked about God in a Deuteronomy 6 fashion and do something with it. But our big thing was we wouldn't outsource it. I didn't outsource the teaching of ethics and morality. I didn't outsource the teaching of how to survive in a difficult, frightening world. And I didn't outsource the teaching of God so that the programs we put our kids into were an addition, not a replacement. So it's complicated, isn't it? Now, what if you have no kids at all? You just go to Sunday school and learn from the lessons. Yay. And I mean that without sarcasm or irony. Yay. I'm very glad you did. Let's make sure, however, we don't outsource to the minister the study. We don't outsource to the teacher, the study. That whole located minister thing and our whole setup, that's a whole nother stream to walk back But right now. May God bless you, give you a great week. Keep your eyes open. Find a way to teach as you walk along the road. Cheers.